When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and uh, welcome to Literati, a comedy podcast about the greatest American novels never written. I'm Colin O'Brien. And I'm Michael Wolf. Yeah. And now, this, uh, this podcast is about, about the power of books. Have you ever, Michael, have you ever felt the power of books? Oh, I feel yeah. the power of books all the time. I yeah. feel like I'm constantly having my life changed by oh, a book. Oh, yeah. And I, I know I sure have. Because I, I was once hit on the bridge of the nose with a copy of Treasure Island, and it hurt like hell. Well, yeah, now yeah. your face looks dumb. Yeah, it's all mashed up there. You're like a bad Owen Wilson. Yeah. But, you know, books are so much more than things Craig Tweedy can throw at your head in English class on a dare. Books can also be a lot of fun to read when they're not too long and the words aren't too big. And that's what we aim to celebrate here on Literati. Yeah. Books that are engaging and intellectual and life-changing, but also pretty short. Yeah, pretty short. And easy. But we, w- uh, we would also be lying to you if we uh, said there wasn't a risk of a book fight breaking out here. Just books being tossed between us. Because we, we tend to argue. We get along. We agree we, on a lot. We agree on a lot, but there are times when... Gosh, you know, I just want to throw a book at your head because I do not agree with what you're saying. Well, that's why we can't hang out in the library anymore. Yeah. As much as we do like to celebrate the written word here at Literati, there is also a time for an intellectual debate. Yes. The mind is a tool, and like any tool, it must be sharpened. Mm. And like a knife against a whetting stone, the only way to sharpen a mind is to rub it against an equally dense mind. And I'm confident in saying that we've got two of the densest minds in the whole country right here in our heads. Oh, that's quite right. Now... It can be scary to witness the intensity of the literary giants duking it out. That's us. That's Yeah, that's home. us. We're the giants duking it We're out. Big yeah. It's like watching mommy and daddy fight in the kitchen while you watch between the bars of the staircase railing. Mm. You know, your adolescent mind can't help but wonder, what caused such a clash of titans? Was it something I did? Well, in this case, it was. By listening to this podcast... You are demanding entertainment, forcing us to create that, and ultimately pitting two friends against each other like gladiators bound to die in the pit of words. Yeah, so thanks a lot. Um, If you guys would only stop listening, we wouldn't be forced to do this and tear each other apart. Um, But we're so happy to do so. And we are very excited to introduce this segment where we do duke it out. Matching of the minds. Matching of the minds, yes. Now, today's topic for debate is an age-old one. Should poor people be taught to read? Well, I'm going to go right out there and say it. No, I don't think they should. Books are complicated and emotional and deal with really important topics like war and love and walks to remember. (sighs) Even if you could teach their simple minds to read, all of the intricacies and references would just be lost on poor people. They're just not going to get it. It's a waste of time, plus 
their grubby little hands would get those books all dirty. Okay. So well, I think uh, well, that's a pretty open and shut case. Okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and disagree with you right off the oh, bat. Oh, here Personally, we go. I don't think poor people should be taught to read because it might make them not want to be poor anymore. Think about it. Some hungry little dummy spends 18 hours working at a sweatshop tearing holes in my Aeropostale distressed jeans, and they come home at night and eat beans out of a can or whatever, and they watch the boob tube and go to bed. So if you go and you give them a book like Animal Farm, next thing you know, they're going to be saying, hey, I want to wear pants like those cool pigs, and we can't have that at all. No, no, it's just best if the pores stay in their gutters and only read the disapproving and disgusted looks on my face as I walk by them. All right, well, agree to disagree. Michael, you think that poor people, if they learn to read, are going to wear pants like pigs, and I think they're going to get the books all dirty. But if you think a coal miner is going to appreciate one lick of Animal Farm, then you are off your rocker. I mean, maybe one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, but not the subtle critiques of society and power that Orwell lays out. Even if they could read the words, they'd never pick up on his themes of the corrupting effects of wealth and access— And the regular manipulation of the lower working classes by those power? No way. Not a chance. They'd just say, hey, why is that chicken talking? You know, I'd much rather teach the poor to do something useful, like fight each other for our enjoyment. Thank you very much. Yeah. Or maybe work harder and eat less. Yes. You know, I I guess I kind of agree with that. Okay. So maybe we're not so different after all. Yeah. You know what? I think I learned something. Wow. You know, when you when you have an open and honest debate with someone, if you're willing to listen, you know, you can to come appear, to a yeah, with to a appear, peer. you know, you can come to agreement. You can at least see things from their point of view. I guess we really did something beautiful yeah. and noble today. Pretty impressive. Well, next is something even more beautiful and even more noble. A reading from Kip Chesterworthy, our guest for today, who's going to be reading a selection from his forthcoming novel. Now, I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's a little taste of the Old West, yeah. told from a new man. Yeah, it's rugged, it's raw, it's real good, y'all. Please enjoy Kip Chesterworthy. My name is Kip Chesterworthy, and this is a passage from my forthcoming novel. Lucas spat onto the dry, cracked earth and watched as his saliva vanished in the heat as quickly as it had taken him to produce. The thousand head of cattle he and Roland were herding up to California had dwindled to 812 under the unforgiving sun of the great Mojave. With the vicious Awatobi tribe to the north and the godless Chawanak to the south, the safest way of passage was through the heart of the lifeless Calico Basin. Standing upon a boulder, Roland lit up the last of his cigarettes and took a long, deep pull as the dejected cattle made do with another meal of scrub brush and barrel cactus. This place was not meant for man, hollered Roland to Lucas. It resents the very smell of us. Look upon it. Its color is death. Its hatred will never wash from our skin. Shut the fuck up, Roland, shouted Lucas. I hate when you spew that horse shit. We've fifty miles more before the lights of Turnacullah, and I will not abide your morbid poetry. He spat again with vigor and condemnation. 
Roland came down from the rock. What is there but our words in this hell? Should this place take my life, I will make it know me. They went on silent until sundown. They came upon a sandy spot put there by the winds from some far off dune and made camp. No fire, too dangerous. They took their bedrolls from their horses and settled in. Every star above them, a middle finger from God. Morning. No birds, save for a few circling vultures. They pushed on through the heat and whipping wind. The bandanas around their faces did nothing. By noon, each had lungs full of sand. Eight more cattle dropped and stayed down. Another meal of beef that at any other time would be delicious. They came upon a high point and looked out. The peaks of Palomar Mountain seemed as far as the day their journey began. Roland shielded his eyes from the sun. We are cursed with hands and feet, tools rendered useless by this forsaken place. Might that we had wings like the eagle to soar above and look upon all this as some sinister painting we choose to forget. Anger like fire filled Lucas. What good is it to speak of wings? Do you have some lamp in your saddlebag that you might rub to release a wish giver? I have hands and I have feet, same as you, and I am glad for it. Write your useless words on the page and impress some harlot at the whorehouse. I have had my fill of them. Dusk came. On they walked. The terrain had become treacherous, rocky, and difficult. Several cattle stepped wrong and broke their legs. Lucas took out his pistol and rolled his rifle to give the broken creatures a merciful swift passing. Lucas's fists were clenched in anticipation for what Roland would have to say about it, but he did not speak. They came upon the bleached bones of some fallen traveler, Chawanak arrows intertwined with the rib cage. Lucas looked Roland dead in his eyes. Still, he did not speak. Further up, they came across an entire wagon train. Dozens of families rendered to bones by the cruelty of the desert. They shamefully picked over the carcasses of the wagons, looking for supplies, but found nothing. Lucas's ears were burning, but no words passed from Roland's lips. Still, they pushed against the doom of it all. The land was flat and endless. The wind made dust devils dance about them, taunting them, then falling away again. If only I had brought my mouth harp to make music for these wretched POW! Before Roland could finish, Lucas punched him square across the face. That is fucking it. Draw your pistol, Roland. I am done with this, he bellowed. Roland got to his feet. If this is the way, then so be it, he said. The men stood back to back pistols at the ready and began to walk the ten paces. The wind swelled and the men stood in silence for a moment. A pang of 
some ancient need filled both men. They threw down their pistols, lowered their pants. Two hot blasts of jizz hit the dusty floor. There before them lay a tiny oasis of life in that vast sea of death. They pulled up their pants, fastened their belts, picked up their pistols, and started their march once again. Neither of them had anything to say. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That was Kip Chesterworthy. Thank you so much for thank your you, reading. Thank you, Kip. Yeah, thank you for thank being here. Thank you for here. joining yeah. us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so you said this is uh, your forthcoming novel. Uh, Indeed. Yeah. Uh, you didn't uh, tell us what the name was. What is, what is the name of this novel? None of my books have names um so yeah i because i i have tried to buy your books in the past and i've gotten the wrong one because none of them have names i i do not name my own sons so i've chosen not to name my books that makes sense they're like your children yeah but what is it like what is it like what's it called It is called the feeling that it makes you feel inside you, son. A little wordy for a title. Yeah, I, d- yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to give you notes, but I'd say maybe yeah. just like trim that down to something. Yeah. Maybe just like the f- the feel. Nah. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. How about the feel? Yeah. Ooh, that's like a John Grisham. Yeah, or like feeling good. Yeah, or like cowboys who feel it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the t- feeling cowboy. That's pretty good. These yeah. titles do not bring me pleasure. <laughs> I must say. It, well, feels, what about it your, feels strange to me. Yeah. Well, well, what about your children? How do you differentiate between yeah. them? I just give them a good hard stare and they do what I want. Wow, that's progressive that's, parenting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's, you know, it's, uh, I've adopted them all. Okay. I, uh, there's a lot of poor children where I live in, in Fork Tongue, Georgia. But Fork those weren't Tongue. any of the ones that you wanted. You wanted... Uh, <laughs> well, who wants a poor kid? No, so you're not you, going to know what to do. You adopted some may say uh, kidnapped uh, rich children. That's, that that uh, is correct. Yeah. That is correct. I'm a, fortunately I'm well liked in my community, and and nothing has come of it. <laughs> People have accepted the way of the way of things there. Um, and about how many children have you adopted? I have four beautiful sons. Great. All varying sizes and colors and shapes. <laughs> and I love each equally. That's amazing. But you don't know names. No names. I don't want to know their old names and I refuse to give them new ones. If I could, it's probably something dumb like Eloise. You know, or possibly. That is possible. Chauncey. I go out of my way not to learn them. <laughs> So let's I treat them very well, to be clear. I mean, they all are going to college and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Because uh, to me, you seem like sort of a man who learns from the earth. 
I did. I truly did. I uh, I grew up very poor, but I would not wish that life on anyone. And despite the way it made me, I would like something better for my four beautiful boys mm-hmm. than uh, a life of filth and pig shit. Mm-hmm. And clawing through the hell of having no money, no friends, no family. Mm, yikes. <laughs> so uh, I'm guessing your childhood didn't have summers on the vineyard. It was trash. Uh-huh. It was absolute trash. Every day I worked, I worked myself to, the, to my bones. Mm. Just, I'd get up, first thing's the chickens. And God damn, if chickens aren't the meanest sons of bitches in the world. Mm. What, do, what do you have to do with you the gotta chickens? You got to feed them, you got to pluck them. That's, you know what, I can really relate to this because when I was growing up, I had a a show poodle and my parents would never let me play with it because it had to be ready for the big show. And I said, what's the point? I don't want a prize. I want a friend. Boy, I bet you were raised on lollipops and apple cider, weren't you, boy? Yeah, the big flat lollipops. (laughs) The rainbow lollipops, yeah. Yeah, I had, God, I had the curliest long golden hair. That is what I want from my nameless boys. <laughs> you want that, them that like that? That beautiful life you have. That is yeah. what I want from So them. how has your life changed with the fame of your uh, career su- taking Yeah, off? the success of all your unnamed novels. I own a rocking chair now. That's pretty good. Holy is, shit. I you find that Does it go both is, ways? Yeah. Oh, both ways it does. See, I got one. I got one that you can go back, but then it just locks there. <laughs> you can't, you can't oh, go. I think that's a lazy boy. <laughs> That sounds. Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a rocking chair. That's a one way rocking. Yeah, chair. it's a one way rocking chair. You get we get one good rock, and then hopefully hopefully you're uh, you got all you needed out of that. Yeah. Well, I've seen you at your house uh, to get it back upright. You have to get that winch, yeah. and you make your wife just push the winch <laughs> all the way. It's like a good hour long procedure, yeah. and then her back's out, and so she goes into bed, yeah. and then you go heat up the stones in the oven to lay upon her in Swedish massage style. And meanwhile, she's yelping out in pain because she is pregnant. Oh, God. I'd just say get a new chair. Yeah. I never uh, told you any of that. How did you How did you know all of that? Um, Janine and I talk. Oh, God. That's okay. Right. The hell of a chair, I must say. Yeah. yeah. Yours right, sounds much better. Yours sounds much better. It's, it's, they both sound great. I mean, that's a different, <laughs> it's a different kind of experience, but I'm, I'm interested. Because you didn't have any chairs growing up. We did not. We did not have much. We had. Uh, Where would you sit? <laughs> just on the, <laughs> just on the floor. You know, we had a uh, hot pile of hay in which we slept. Um, it was a, it was a hot pile of hay. <laughs> a hot pile of hay heated by the sun. <laughs> Very sweaty, dirty. I uh, I was raised by uh, a schizophrenic woman. And it was a mm. true nightmare. I mean, weren't we all in a way? Oh, boy. Mother Earth. I believe they call that a zinger. Uh, that must have been difficult growing up with a mother with m- mental um, disabilities. It was. It was very uh, confusing. Uh, could never bring friends over. She always mm. thought they were me. <laughs> then, then she's... <laughs> Yeah, imagine the shame of bringing a friend home and having your mother 
change their diaper, feed them porridge. I cannot tell you how many times that happened. A big old kiss, probably. Right, on the lips. So were you close with her? Did did this create a distance? (sighs) Wait one second. A lot of brandy. Just let him do this. He has to spit some of it back out and then drink it again. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, anyway, Kip, you were saying... I've never yeah. seen anything like that. I just want to say that. Oh, my dad was a fish farmer. That's that doesn't really explain how you drink water, but that's good to know. Um, What, what were we talking about? I'm sorry. They, were you close to your mom? Oh, yeah. Um, I was. Uh, I was close, but... Um, it was a tumultuous, you know, relationship. What with the, the screaming and the, uh, uh, I, she, she chewed off one of my fingers here. As you can see. Oh yeah. yeah! Oh wow! You just have yeah. a little ribbon on it. Yeah, yeah. and it just looks to like remember were, Mama. It was it looks like there are a couple others she she tried to get at, but yeah, didn't quite pull them off. They're a little they're a little bent and twisted, but yeah, they do me all right. So yeah, I thought you were sort of like uh, doing that thing where you. Uh, where you like tell a lie, but then you or you say you say you're telling the truth, but then you like cross your fingers. It means you're telling a lie. Nope, I just but got shitty uh, fingers. fingers. Yeah, I know you just got shitty fingers. I thought maybe like some of your history wasn't true or something. Some of the things you told us already, but uh, like now I know that your fingers are just messed up. I hate liars. Yeah, me too. I despise liars. I love them. Just kidding. That was a lie. <laughs> oh. I gotta say, you just charm my pants off, son. <laughs> Thank you very much. You do have to put those back on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. All right. Um, I have. There we go. I have a question. Do yes. you fear schizophrenia? It is a hereditary thing. And do you ever worry that, as you reach old age and the sun begins to set on your life, that you, like so many cacti frozen in their poses, might go prickly with the fear of? In- Insanity creeping into you like so many horny lizards crawling across the hot desert, baking in the sun. Their brains scramble like so many eggs and so many frying pans of a morning cowboy yipping and yollering. Well, I do fear that. We ask everybody that. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, good to know. So that's a yes. So, okay, we can move <laughs> okay, on to the great. next Moving question. On. Okay, yeah, great. Um, this was a question. You, Your writing is so sparse. <laughs> And so, uh, it's it's it seems like what you've seen. Um, now, now, how did you become a writer? Did you were you classically trained? Were you did you go to college for this, or are you just exactly how it seems a man of the people? I uh, oh boy. <clears throat> Again, I've never seen anything like that. I have what's called throat closeness. <laughs> See, now that explains the, the way you drink a little more than uh, your father being a fish farmer. Sort of, yeah, that sort of offers a little more insight into the way you um, drink. Sorry, I grew up around a lot of koi, so... <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd, I'd have to say I... Um I used, to write, I used to write down my dreams. Mm-hmm. That's, I believe that's where it all started. And uh, no, I did not go to college. No, uh, no, I'm not uh, educated in this. I'm a self-educated man. I uh, went to the public library. It's where I learned to read. And uh, 
You taught so yourself you, how to read. Taught myself how to That's read. Amazing. And and you say you 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 started writing by writing down your dreams. Correct. Uh, and you you showed us some of the, uh, some entries into your your uh, dream journal, Absolutely. and it is a lot of you know just very straightforward farming. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not it's not really like the kind of dreams you usually think mm-hmm. of. It's like. You know, you wake up I was at five thirty. Yeah, you wake up at five thirty, go tend to the soil. Was the plucking the chickens thing you mentioned earlier? There was that in there. Reading yes. the New York Times, yeah. say <laughs> front to back. Yeah, I'm, I must. Cl- I must admit, I am not an imaginative man, and even in my dreams, they are <laughs> as my waking life is. So, so basically, it's you know, if if you have to work uh, on the farm mm. for ten hours a day, indeed, and then you go to bed. For eight hours, it's kind of like you work the farm for like 18 hours. It's uh, absolute hell. I have no escape. So, Kip, I did want to say there is a big parental guidance sticker on the front of the book. and Which I thought was the title at first. Right. Because it was the only words on the front of the book. Only words on the book. Absolutely no title. Yeah. I I did not know why there was a warning um, until... The end of that passage you read us where the cowboys, how do I put this lightly, uh, blew their loads. Yes. Um, where did that scene come from? Well, <clears throat> I just figure I made my characters feel real, real bad that whole time. Mm. So I figured I'd end it with them feeling real, real good. Oh, with a nice... Okay. nice yeah. Nice hot blast. It's I mean, you, ever, you guys ever come yourselves? I've read about it. Yeah. It feels pretty good. I got close one time. Yeah. I I did too. Um, uh, but then it just turns out I was about to sneeze. So I was just sneezing. It, was similar, it just felt pretty good though. I was riding a train and I got stuck between the train cars. Mm-hmm. And um, a cold wind came. And it blew, blew up me, your skirt. Kind of. It blew me up against the, tr- the the door of the train. The handle of the door of the train looped around my penis. And it was so cold. Um, and because the train is on, uh, we were going over uneven mm. ground. The handle was jiggling. And I came really, really close to what I would call an orgasm. And then right before I came, the conductor opened the door and said, What are you doing out there? <laughs> Boy, that is a yeah. sweet little story, and gosh darn it, if you haven't turned the, turn the pants right off me once again. Uh, you are you are going to have to put your pants back on. Yeah, really, yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's I, a strict rule. I, uh, I, I personally uh, just haven't found the time. Uh, I'm just pretty busy, so I, I don't really have the time to... Honestly, uh, I think coming is selfish. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I got things to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Agreed, uh, I, I'm agreed. hoping to, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm planning on taking, uh, some vacation time soon. Mm. So maybe I'll get a chance. Oh, but, you deserve it. Yeah. But there's also like a lot of work that needs to be done around the house that I might just end up doing sure. instead. I mean, a you can staycation. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why it takes you boys so long. I mean, it, you can, you can, you can crank one out while doing yard work. I mean, I do all the time. <laughs> well, I just think that right now I'm at a place. <laughs> you just do, you just, you like your yard work, you just dig a hole. <laughs> Last one in there. How'd then, you know? And then just bury it. <laughs> As a dog does, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
for now, I'm just perfectly content reading about such things in works of fiction, like your work. I feel, yeah, I feel like I have. Yeah, I feel like whatever I would do myself would be a lesser thing than your beautifully crafted words. Mm. That's a very kind of you to say. That's a very sweet thing, and I appreciate that. I'm a kind, sweet guy. I'm going to take my pants off now. (laughs) Please don't. I have to insist you keep (laughs) those on. You have to put your pants back. (laughs) Uh, We are in front of a row of windows across from an elementary school. Uh, All right, fine. As we wrap up, I wonder if you have any advice to aspiring writers or any personal words that you live by. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I know. It's a fucking great question. All right. Okay. Didn't mean no disrespect. I'm sorry. My wife ran away. Oh, my Lord. I shouldn't take it out on you, but... I'm so sorry. I am very, very sorry. Um, She's a marathoner. (laughs) Makes sense. Um, She makes me sad. I'm so sorry. Because I loved her. Yeah. But she's training now, and um, I guess there are things I can't give her. Like the runner's new high. Shoe? Yeah, what, yeah. What are we? Is the runner's high that you can't give her? I can't get the endorphins in her. <laughs> and I don't want to help her stretch like she asked. And That's I don't want to. I mean, you, if you want to give I her. I can't gra- give her that. She's always like, hey, come stand by the side of the road on the marathon. And I'm like, no. Well, maybe it's a good thing that you two have parted ways. Maybe there's someone else out there for you who, you know, you, you can give things. No, to. I'll catch her. I have a car. <laughs> I always uh, say you can run, but you can't hide, Charlene. It's a beautiful name. Yeah, she's a beautiful woman. Big calves, big oh, as your head. So that's a name you do like. Uh, I like a woman's name. <laughs> now, Did you I, ever think about giving any of your sons, sons a woman's yeah. name? Yeah, like something cool like Eloise? Yeah. God damn it, I'm going straight home, and I'm giving all four of my sons women's names. I never thought I'm gonna, I never thought to do that. You're going to run home and name your sons? I'm naming my sons today. I'm giving them beautiful women's names. I don't what are you, ca- anything popping off the head? I mean, I like, a, I like an old-fashioned Becky. Yeah. Just right to the Sharp. Park. Sharp. I've never met a Becky. You could. Like. I mean, if, if you realize that you like a women's name so much, you could. you don't even need to limit it to like... You know, My four God. sons, four names. You could give each son like five women's names. That is beautiful. And you're up to like 20 women's names. I think I'm going to, you know what? Here's an exclusive for you boys. <laughs> I'm naming my book Catherine. Wow. Wow. That's the right. Book, <laughs> you're naming the book about two cowboys that Cat- has no women in it. Catherine. Catherine. Uh, a good book words name. of wisdom is that yeah, what? Yeah, did you? So, just uh, Kip, as we wrap things up, do you have any <laughs> words of wisdom uh, that you live by that you'd like to share, or any favorite quotes um, that you want to share with our listeners? Who, uh, by yeah. the way, just keep in mind they're dumb. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, words of wisdom I live by: always pay full price. <laughs> My favorite quote is uh, zero to bitch in 60 seconds. This has been our talk with Kip Chesterworthy. Check out his forthcoming book, Catherine. Catherine <laughs> uh, hitting stores, um, I think, sometime in the next 10 years. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. No, this thank you. Absolute Kip. pleasure. Yeah, I hope you, you boys uh, yeah. learn how to come. <laughs> hey, don't hold your yeah. breath. And uh, you do have to put your pants back on. God damn it. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation as much as we enjoyed talking to our conversation. Kip Chesterworthy certainly was a, a bright mind, and I'm very intrigued to see what comes next. Yes, uh, I can't wait. Uh, I think uh, his, t- his books are going to have women's names as titles now, so I'm excited for this new chapter in his literary career of naming his novels. Very exciting. We could expect uh, Annalise or maybe even a... A Wendy? Yeah, or a Topanga. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. I think he could do a lot of good work with the Topanga. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to Literati. I've been Michael Wolf. I've been Colin O'Brien. Uh, make sure to check out our show at Union Hall every month. And um, check out nancy.com for some real fun music and tunes and comedy. And don't forget to keep reading. reading. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more podcasts, please visit foreverdogproductions.com.